All right, welcome back to the conversation. I am uh, privileged to be joined today by Howie Hawkins, who was the Green Party's 2020 presidential nominee, a retired Teamster. Howie, welcome to the conversation. Thank you. It's good to be here. So we're here to talk about uh, HR1 and S1, the, uh, the, the For the People Act. And there's there's been a lot of talk online about some of the problems uh, with tucked inside the bill as they relate to third party candidates. I thought who better to have on than an actual third party uh, candidate him himself. But first, aside from uh, your your role as as a third party member, what's what is your what is your t kind of top line take on this bill H H R one? And then I want to get into some of the. Uh, the individual objections? Well, the top line is the voting rights provisions, the anti-partisan gerrymandering positions. There are a lot of things in this bill that will preempt what the Republicans are doing all across the country in terms of voter suppression and limiting who can vote and how districts are drawn. So they're trying to enhance their power by you know, drawing district lines that bias toward them mm -hmm. and suppressing voters that probably won't vote for them. So that's really important. And those things ought to pass. Um, that's the top line. Now, for the Greens and the, and the third parties, the campaign or the matching funds program in there basically excludes us mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, adds money to what the major party candidates can raise. But doesn't limit the private money they can raise. So it's not a good look from our point of view. Yeah, and there, there's kind of two different public uh, matching fund provisions here. So let, let's let's take them one at a time. Uh, let's, you know, let's just start on the presidential level. So under under current law, and you would know the, the details of this better having having lived through it, uh, but there's a certain amount of uh, matching funds you can, a candidate can get for a primary. There's a certain amount that uh, that can be obtained in a general. In order to get it, correct me if I'm wrong, you need to you need 5,000 uh, si signatures in 20 states and in the minimum of 20 states around the country to kind of demonstrate that you're a viable uh, national national candidate. Now, none of the major party candidates have taken the the matching funds, I believe, since 2008 because you're capped. On how much you can spend if you take the matching funds, and the cap is some something so small, you know, somewhere between fifty what, and a hundred million dollars that uh, major party big money candidates that are spending a billion dollars to run for president, you know, won't handcuff themselves with that anymore. So they've kind of left it behind. And so, did you take matching funds in in twenty twenty? And how you know how difficult was it to to get them? Yeah, you said signatures. I think you meant dollars. Oh yes, yes, it, yes. Right. Five thousand dollars in twenty states. It's the signatures for the ballot, but in order to get the matching funds, you have to raise money. Yeah, we need a lot more than five thousand signatures in most states. That's a whole right. other question, right? Which HR one doesn't address. You know, fair ballot right. access. Um, yeah, the the system now, which comes out of the nineteen seventy four Federal Election Campaign Act, uh, says five thousand dollars at least in twenty states. Those donations have to be two hundred fifty dollars or less. The proposal now is to raise that to $25,000 in 20 states. So it's five times larger. Um, yeah, my campaign, we are still documenting we got the donations, so we haven't actually got the matching funds yet. But the Green Party 
in the last decade is the only party really using it. Right. Uh, Libertarians used it in 2012, and uh, Johnson was so uh, upset with how difficult it was dealing with the FEC. He didn't even try in 2016. Hmm. And you're right, the major party candidates, if you accepted the money in 2020, you couldn't spend more than $52 million on your primary campaign, which for the major party candidates was not enough. Right, they're spending that in an individual state. Yeah, yeah, the, the big candidates. Right. So, you know, another fix to that is raise the cap. And what they're doing in this HR1 is just eliminating the cap. So you can raise as much private money as you want and also get some public money right. if you're a major party candidate. You know, for us to raise that kind of money, there's no third party candidate who qualified for matching funds going back to Sonia Johnson in 1980, who probably would have qualified under this new standard. So it basically cuts out the third parties. Right. And so we, we, were, we spoke earlier and you said you kind of barely qualified um, or actually you, and you're still proving that you qualified. If you do prove that you qualify, how roughly how much in matching funds does the Green Party expect to get back from the federal government? I think it's between 150 and 200,000. <clears> 150. Spent, yeah. 150 and 200,000 dollars. Those are the contributions that were qualified and we could document. Right. And it, we were late because it was a tough year. You know, Trump, anybody but Trump was the dominant sentiment. So we raised right. money for basically a year and a half and finally qualified in July 2020. Right. And so I, th I think it's fair to say that as currently structured, the Green Party would would struggle hard. Uh, to qualify under these new rules. Is, is that fair? Yeah, yeah that's, that's a fair statement. I, I wonder, before we get to the, the next round of matching funds as a, as a thought experiment, I was thinking, I wonder if the two parties here are opening themselves up to an outside challenge in a way that they, they haven't actually intended. Let, let's say that you're somebody like Oprah Winfrey or The Rock, uh, and you have you know, national name recognition um, going into a campaign. Previously, you would have needed to be able to raise a billion dollars somewhere. Uh, and unless you're a billionaire already, uh, that's going to be difficult for you. And spending a billion dollars of your own money uh, might turn off a lot of people. But now if you're somebody like Oprah or The Rock with this with this six to one uh, matching fund, you know, up to $250 million, I believe in in, in public money, it seems like some, somebody like an Oprah, and I'm not saying it's going to be an Oprah, um, but some type of kind of famous person who has, a, has some type of populist appeal, who's an outsider, would now, it seems, maybe be able to compete with uh, major parties in a way that they're not intending. Could, could, you, could you see that unfolding or, or uh, am I kind of overthinking it? No, I think, I think you're right. And in fact, <clears throat> In the early years of the current system, I mean, Ronald Reagan and Jimmy Carter wouldn't have survived uh, 1976, except they got their matching funds in January, right before the primary started. They were broke, but they had qualified. And uh, they also used the second part of the presidential uh, funding, which was a, an equal grant to the two major parties for the fall election, which every major party candidate used until Barack Obama in 2008. McCain was the last to use it. This year, it would have been 102 million, and Biden and Trump are spending billions. So, right. again, 
one remedy might have been to raise that grant rather than make it impossible for the little guys to get access to any public money. Right. So let's talk about the 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 six to one match on the on the congressional level because I think it's I think it's fair that uh, to say that this would hurt Green Party candidates on the national level as as it's structured now on the congressional level. Uh, could you, could you see a situation uh, where a Green Party candidate would be more viable than they otherwise would? Or let me just ask you more generally, what's what's your take on the six to one matching funds for House and Senate candidates? Well, I have a couple of takes. First, the qualifying standard is fifty thousand dollars in small contributions. Right. And we've had about five hundred fifty Greens run for Congress over the you know last few decades we've been around. And we could only find a handful that qualified under that standard. I, mm-hmm. I ran for US Senate here in New York, and I looked this up today. I raised 48,000, only about 31,000 would have qualified. Um, and there are other reasons why, based, related to ballot access, why it was hard right. to raise money. So it'll make it difficult uh, for third party candidates. Um, so, it, again, it's like the presidential qualification. It's probably something uh, most third-party candidates can't qualify. The other problem is the six-to-one match creates a seven-fold increase in the disparity. If you raise a million and your opponent raises five million, six-to-one match gives the uh, smaller candidate seven million and the big candidate 35 million. So the disparity grows from Four million to twenty-eight million, seven times. Mm-hmm. So, it's uh, it's not leveling the playing field. It's still favoring the candidates that start out ahead. To to push back on that uh, a little bit, uh, I'm thinking about the, the the case of Alex Morse, who kind of ran a he ran a primary challenge against uh, against Richie Neal in in Western Massachusetts, and I, he. Over the course of a couple of weeks, when he was getting national attention, I think he raised something like half a million dollars plus, you know, for the sing- for a single congressional campaign uh, from small donors, you know, ar- around the country. This is he, he was getting he was getting smeared by the there's this homophobic smear campaign, if you remember, um, directed at him, and kind of in response to that, people kind of stepped up and and contributed to him. And in recent cycles, we've seen that if people across the country get excited about a race, they do have the capacity to throw 50,000, 100,000, two, three, even half a million dollars very quickly you know, at a cause. If people understood that a third party candidate, let's say a Green Party candidate, was going to get these six to one matching funds, and let's say, let's say they were running against a Democrat in a, in a blue district, where there 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 wasn't a serious uh, there wasn't a serious Republican competitor because it's such a kind of deep blue district, people were angry at the Democrat for whatever uh, Democrat might have done in office. There's and there's a green that people are organizing around, and now they know that if they give you know this this their fifty dollars, they give their twenty five dollars, it's going to be matched six to one. Could you see that creating a, a viral effect that would that would give it the right kind of green candidate? A shot at knocking a Democrat out of Congress? Yeah, it would have to be the right kind of Democratic candidate, too. Mm-hmm. Somebody like Richie Neal, you know, right. more centrist or conservative. Yeah, you can conceive of those 
uh, scenarios in exceptional circumstances. Um, but as a general program, I mean, why don't we have ranked choice voting? Right. You know, so that uh, the green isn't always seen as the spoiler, which has become a bigger problem for us as the GOP becomes an extremist rule or ruin party. So progressives feel they got to vote for the centrist Democrat to stop the conservative Republican, which makes it you know harder for us than ever. My my understanding is that Congress can't uh, force states to uh, establish ranked choice voting. Um, though I agree that we ought to have uh, ranked choice voting. Um, you know, it ought to be implemented all across the country. Do you know if I'm right about that? That that is I, the con- the Constitution says I think that states can set the the time and the manner of elections, time, place, and manner of elections, and that's and that's been understood to say that if they don't, you know, that they can set it, they can set them up however they want. No, I think you're wrong about that. The okay. Congress right now has a law that says uh, members of Congress have to be elected from single member districts. And that was adopted in the mid sixties after in the South, they started electing mm-hmm. the Congress at large. So black folks couldn't get a representative. So they made it single member districts. There is legislation. There's a bill called the Fair Representation Act that would require states to use ranked choice voting for okay. districts. So, yeah, Congress can do that if it wants. And I guess ultimately, a lot of this will come down to the to the Supreme Court because there is some question um, over whether uh, you know, and they, they've used that precedent of the of the single member district to say that well, that's why we can put uh, we can ban gerrymandering in this bill because this is the precedent that's set before. Of course, with a Republican-dominated Supreme Court, you know they, you know they, they're not going to necessarily be bound by previous uh, interpretations of of the Constitution, as as we saw with, uh, you know, John Roberts, who said he was when he was nominated to the court, he said he was going to respect precedent. One of the first things he did was rule on Citizens United, which overturned, you know, basically a century of precedent, um, and and you know, uh, near 50 years of of campaign finance reform. So. Uh, you're, you're, I think, I think you're right that they, they certainly could try. Like Congress ought to at least try and kind of dare, dare the Supreme Court um, to to strike it down. And so, okay, so the 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 Green Party is not happy uh, with the way that the national matching funds work out. Uh, I don't know how I don't know how I would characterize your take on the congressional funds, either neutral neutral to kind of leaning against. Is that, is that fair? I think it ought to be a lower standard. The state of Arizona has a full public campaign finance system, mm-hmm. and you have to get a certain number of five dollars. I think it's a hundred five dollars contributions in your assembly district to qualify. If you prorate that up to the size of congressional districts, that would be about five thousand dollars. And since the matches are proportional to how much right. you raise, why not have a lower threshold so that you know the Green Party and other third parties can, you know, get into the race and, and be part of the conversation. Right. That does seem fair because it's, it's not as if 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 you lower the threshold to five thousand dollars, that all of a sudden a million dollars in in public money goes to your campaign. You, you hit the five thousand dollar threshold, you get five thousand back. And so I think that um, I think people would I think people would understand that. Um, so let's say that uh, you're a member of Congress, you you introduce amendments uh, to strip out these port this these 
the, the presidential uh, funding portion that you don't like, uh, that gets voted down. You, loo you lose on that vote. So the, the H.R. 1, you know, as it stands, goes to the floor. How, you know, how, how would you vote at that point? Well, in that circumstance, I vote for it because I think the voting rights are so important in the anti-gerrymandering. You just, the, the Democrats just can't hand power back to the Republicans uh, through what they're doing in the states. So, you know, when you get to that point, you know, you got to you got to check the options you have. And I think it's better that it pass, even though it's going to hurt us uh, in terms of getting public funding. Um, but we got bigger issues like ballot access. Right. Here in New York, they tripled the votes we need to stay on the ballot, the signatures we need to get back on the ballot. There was a bill introduced in Nevada last week by the Democrats to double the signature requirement. And supposedly the Democratic Socialists took over the Democratic Party in Nevada, but they were silent in the hearing. They didn't show up hmm. last week on that bill. So, you know, just getting on the ballot is our, our biggest problem. And then we've always had a problem raising money and getting access to public funding. But of course, this makes it worse, but um, we got a lot of issues just to, just to participate. Are you uh, considering running again under the Green Party banner? I'm not even going to look at that till after the midterms. We have a New York, you know, a big fight to get back on the ballot here. Greens are running three times for governor. I don't know what we're going to do this year. We're just starting to talk about it. There's just a lot of water that has to go under the bridge before we can even think about that. Right. And th this was a Cuomo driven effort, um, largely, as I understand it, uh, against his nemesis, you know, the Working Families Party, which, you know, his former ally, which then uh, endorsed uh, what Cynthia Nixon. Uh, and so uh, he freaked out on them and he threatened to shut down the health department uh, a year ago if this if the state legislature you know, shut down the health department in the middle of a pandemic if the state legislature didn't pass this a draconian, uh, these draconian requirements for third parties to stay on the ballot, hoping that he could stick a knife in the in the WFP. And you're saying so that the Greens uh, were kind of, kind of collateral damage, you think, of that, of no, that I, attack? I, or do you think he was partly coming after the Greens also? I think he's definitely coming after us. I mean, every time he's run in the general election, he's been on the working families ballot line. Right. I got 5% of the vote running against him in 20. Right. Even this even this time uh, after he beat Cynthia Nixon in the primary, the WFP, right, put him on put him on their ballot. Right. So in the general election they don't take votes from him. Right. We took 5% in 2014. That was a year he wanted to get more than his father Mario Cuomo ever got. More than he got when he was first elected in 2010. He wanted to lay the groundwork for running for president. And I'm sitting there with 5% of the vote. And I think, you know, that's what really mattered. Right. And in fact, after the November election, where both working families and the conservatives survived because they ran the major party candidates on their line, he said, oh, that's what we want to do all along. We wanted to get rid of the so-called, he called them transactional parties. We run our own candidates. We're not right. cutting with the major parties. The other argument they used was that uh, New York's going to a matching funds public funding program, and they can't afford to fund these little third parties. But the thing is, the money doesn't go to parties, it goes to candidates. So that wasn't even an accurate argument. 
what's the uh, what's what's the Green Party's experience been in New York City uh, since New York City started adopting for some races matching funds? Uh, we've had a few candidates qualify. It's difficult, and uh, you know, I we had a candidate uh, Gloria Matera run for borough president, and then uh, twice against De Blasio when he was a district councilor, and you know, she was getting double digit up into the 20 percents and had some money to, you know, get the word out. So, yeah, we were able to use that. Uh, we still prefer a, you know, full public campaign funding system like the one they have in Arizona and Maine. But, uh, you know, we have been able to take advantage of that. Um, so that, that you know, you, you, you got you to use the system that's there, even if we prefer another one. Well, Howie Hawkins, uh, thank you so much for joining us on the conversation. Thanks for having me.